0: Welcome to Unraveled Podcast. I'm Bridget and I'm Mackenzie. This is the place where we unravel all the things on our hearts.
1: Laughter, tears, and real talk are all invited.
0: Here we go. Thank you so much for being here with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I'll let you share a little bit more about yourself. But um, in a nutshell, um, Carrie Grass is an author, a co-author of the Theology of Home series that I know so many women love. Um, I was just telling Ken's that I've had multiple women pick it up off of my coffee table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of them are not even Catholic and they love it. And they're like, I want to order this. So we're really excited to dig into that series, as well as some other incredible books that you have written and are also finishing up writing. So can you also share anything else about yourself that you love the listeners to know? Um, yeah, well, I
2: am a homeschooling mother of five and, um, stay pretty busy between the children and, um, our blog. We also have a store and, um, yeah, I, I have a, a doctorate philosophy and, um, but I, I just feel so blessed by all the amazing things in my life. So um, yeah, I guess that's a beautiful thing that God does is um, just makes our lives abundant when uh, when we
1: respond to his uh, His call. Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Um, Carrie, I first saw you when we got the Theology of the Home 2 mm-hmm. book, your second one, and it was so beautiful. One of my favorite lines in it, I think, I can't remember who said it, but it was something along the lines of the happiest person is a mother who works part time and it made me yes you know, gift it <laughs> to all my friends that are working moms and all yeah just like my sisters and i just love that so much because mm-hmm. over here on unraveled we are all about babies and dreams but yeah. Not to like put the dreams above the babies and really mm-hmm. delve into our vocations as wife and mother. And I think B and I both have grown into that now that we're yeah. in our thirties and really understood that. But I would love if you just touched on about like a little bit about that. Yeah, with the books and how like your narrative is kind of combating those lies that you mm-hmm. can't be with children. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, no, I, that quote is is a favorite of mine. I ran across it um, from a sociologist named Brad Wilcox who has done all this research on women. And, um, you know, I think it just speaks to a lot of us that are juggling home and, you know, juggling work. And for a long time I was just home, you know, I think we all, we have these different seasons of our lives and that's kind of the amazing thing that happens as, as a woman, <laughs> it's, you know, if you're getting tired of something, just wait, it's going to change, you know? Um, mm. but, um, but I think that there's, there's always got to be that balance. And, um, it, you know, I think the other reality is, is that, we don't live in neighborhoods like we used to. We don't, we're not getting sustenance and and fulfillment from other people around us, you know, by going outside or having women over for coffee or what, you know, the the way things used to happen very organically because everybody was home. Um, And I think that that is one of the the things that that working part-time does also is just gives us a kind of constant or steady community that we don't don't normally have. So there's, there's all these different layers of, of I think what's going on with women in the culture today, but um. Yeah, for me, fundamentally, uh, you know, I the more I dig into it, the more I really see that feminism has been such really an unmitigated disaster for women. Um, I can say that because I I just finished researching. I went all the way back to Mary Wollstonecraft in my next book. and, um, And the reason it was a problem is because they started with the wrong question. They started with the question of how do we help women by making them like men instead of how do we help women by helping them as women? Um, yeah. and you can see this, you know, throughout their writing, I mean, it's over the centuries over and over and over again. This is really the the goal is to make us like men because, you know, it was very well intended. They saw that men had easier lives than women did. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's these dreadful stories of the lives that women lived. And, you know, we still hear dreadful stories about what women go through. Um, but I don't think that the, the proper answer is to say, why don't we like make, women like men. Um, yeah. and that's why it's been so disastrous. And this is why we see, you know, we're seeing all of this terrible fruit in our culture. Um, and we can't even define what a woman is, you know, I mean, I know, um, mm-hmm. right. Matt, Matt Walsh has done an amazing job of really raising that, yes. campus, bringing that to the <laughs> surface, huh? Um, but I, I, I think we just need to go back and have create kind of a new, um, grammar for women to really understand themselves and think of themselves as women instead of, you know, there's always this competing against this kind of masculine ideal yeah. that we have in our head. So, yeah, that's really what we did with Noel and I did with Theology of Home, too, was to try and um, kind of articulate, like, what does it mean to be a woman? And how do we think of this in real concepts instead of just abstractly or even in um, ways that have been, uh, you know, our caricature of women, like like The Handmaid's Tale or something like that. Mm-hmm.
1: So um, mm-hmm.
0: that was really our effort with, with that book for sure.
1: That's beautiful. beautiful.
0: Yeah. Ken's and I, I feel like a theme that keeps coming up on this podcast and even in our friendship for so many years, we've talked about this and wrestled in our hearts with this, this idea of, you know, you're young and you have all these dreams and then you get married and the babies start coming. And it's like, how do you find the balance of the beautiful feminine heart and the the um, natural proclivity and happiness that comes with raising kids? Mm-hmm. Um, like I feel like I'm my happiest self um, when I'm like holding my babies, but mm-hmm. but there's also these other dreams that you have, and when you do them, your heart is like on fire, like you feel alive. Yeah. Um, and so I think the balance of that is like that beautiful balance that's mm-hmm. delicate, but you can absolutely go too far one way too far the other way and you know this is my first baby that I've stayed home and only done part-time from home I was full-time with both my other babies and uh, and it was so different like I'm Mm -hmm. having such a reawakening in my own heart in my own soul and I'm so grateful for that realization Mm -hmm. but kind of like you shared um, when I first got married I had this very like unholy vow of like you know, I saw my mom have seven kids and stay home and I don't know if she was happy with it, but that was an isolated incident in my own life. And so I think I decided, well, the remedy for that is to go work full time. Mm -hmm. And, and it really wasn't, it wasn't the case for me. It really um, stretched me so thin that I ended up not being the best version of myself at home. So long story okay. short, through a lot of prayer and everything, I, I feel like I'm getting closer to finding that balance um, and being more at home. Um, but you're absolutely right. There were voices in my ear. I was watching people watching these motivational speaking women say that you can go out and do it all. And, <laughs> and I think you're right. It is a lie. It is yeah. definitely a lie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think that's the other reality is just realizing how much uh, you know, I dug into to Betty Friedan and, of course, she's, you know, was the, wrote The Feminine Mystique, which really was the catalyst for t- women getting out of the home. Um, but what most of us don't realize was that Betty Friedan was actually a communist who used <laughs> the ideas of Marx because she there, there was in her journals um, a quote from Marx that she just loved that, she, you know, she w- was reiterated in her book um, about how we women would not be free and equal until we got they, they were out of the home. Um, and she was really smart and just said, you know, we're not, we're, and Simone, she and Simone de Beauvoir talked about this and, and Simone de Beauvoir said, well, if we give them a choice, they're always going to want to stay at home. So Mm -hmm. Betty Friedan went in and basically re-articulated this, this malcontent that I think a lot of women feel at different stages, but she just, she got in that place where I think all of us can go where we can feel ungrateful and we feel the sort of and not so much entitlement, but like, this is hard and I don't want to do right. this, you know, that, that space instead of like, this is a, a place of gratitude and gift. And what does God want for me? You know, she, she went to that place helped women go to that place where they rejected the gifts that they had. And um, so mm-hmm. anyway, it's, it's been fascinating to look at that and how much communism really has a, an, influenced us. I mean, we have no idea, how dramatic it was. And, and what, well, one of the pieces that I found most interesting when looking at this was that in China, they, they were getting the exact same messaging. Um, and the Chinese women were like, why would we want to go work in the fields? We have to take care mm-hmm. of our home too, you know, and they rejected it. Wow. And it was only later when the, you know, this bloody revolution comes in where it's forced upon them um, that they, you know, they accepted it in their lives. But because we had Betty Friedan who was putting it in such a, you know, erudite psychological language, American Mm -hmm. just took it on like, Oh, of course, we should get out of the home and, and, and we'll be happier. Um, And there's, Mm -hmm. there are no metrics that show that that's, that's actually happening. So anyway, it's, it's all very interesting to look at, um, you know, what we've been told, what we've been sold, and really go back to, okay, well, what's God calling us to? And where are we flourishing? And, you know, certainly that has takes on different stripes or different people. Um, I know for myself when actually, I was just thinking about earlier today when I, you know, you bring that first baby home and you're like,
1: I have to take this child with me everywhere. You know, I mean, it was just such yeah.
2: an overwhelming thing. And, um, you know, now I don't even think about it, you know, juggling five of them um, in, right. in any given point. So <laughs> it's just a matter of, you know, gradually kind of, you, you, I think you feel thrown into the pool and then, um, you kind of get used to it. But, um, you know, being able to realize that, you know, I finished my doctor when my, during the time my first three were born. And, um, it was one of those things where I realized I can work at night. And then during the day while I'm doing mindless things like washing dishes or changing diapers or whatever, I would really think about what I need to do the next night and
1: Mm -hmm. it
2: just really worked for me. So anyway, I, I think it's, um, you know, each person, person has really an individual call and mission. Um, and way to balance it but I, I think that um, it, it's exciting to see that women are actually asking this question again instead of just taking it at face value because the culture tells us that we shouldn't be home
1: uh, okay. yes yeah. and before we talk about some of your other books and your new book um, we wanted to touch on like the the phrase theology of the home like mm-hmm. obviously obviously that that phrase goes beyond like having the most expensive furniture and the <laughs> Base. And mm-hmm. I, I heard this quote, and B and I have talked about it a lot on this podcast. That your home might be the first chapel someone walks into, mm-hmm. and and I really just try and remember that that it's not really about the like perfect perfection. You know, we can all mm-hmm. fall into perfection. Um, yeah. but I think you go so much deeper. B and I were just talking about even the words in um the theology of the sea, the number three, and mm-hmm. just how gorgeous and intricate those details are, um, with the spiritual life inside Mm -hmm. the home and how Mm -hmm. you can really evangelize, um, in how you serve others and most importantly, your family. So would you touch on like how that came to be the, the title of the home?
2: Yeah. Well, the title actually was one of those funny things. I was on my treadmill and, um, I was listening to the song and it was talking about going home and it just struck me. Like that's what we're all trying to do is get home to heaven. We're trying to get ourselves there, our children there, yeah. our husbands there, our spouses there, everybody we love. We want, we just want to be
1: together in the end. Yeah.
2: And, um, it just really, it, you know, it's one of those moments that, uh, you know, you just feel the Holy spirit saying like something's, this is important, you know, pay attention. And, um, so I just started thinking about it more and more and just thinking uh, there's, there's a lot more going on in our homes than we really realize. And, um, and the first book reflects, I think the principles of this idea of what theology of home is, because there's these concepts called transcendentals. It's, you know, it's a philosophical word, but basically what it means is that you can speak of a concept in, in different ways, in different places. Um, so for example, think about the word light. Um, you know, you can think about light in your own home. I mean, everybody wants, um, a lot of light in their homes these days. It's, you know, cavernous rooms are not selling. And, um, you can think about light in a church. Uh, there's the way it comes through stained glass windows, the way uh, different times of day a church is illuminated by it. Um, and then you can think about light in heaven. So we what we did is take concepts like that, very philosophical concepts, but we wanted them to be very um, um, accessible for people and, mm-hmm. and put them in very tangible and material ways in, in this book. Um, so that's really what we do in the very first theology of home is talk about these transcendentals, things that are common to, uh, you know, it should be common to every home and every church because they're also common to heaven. Um, mm. so, you know, hospitality, safety, comfort, um, you know, all of these uh, nourishment, that was another one. Um, all these ideas that, that really animate, you know, even the home shows, everybody's really drawn to these things. People want a <laughs> home that's a sanctuary. <laughs> you know, it's not an accident mm-hmm. that they're, they're actually using that language. Um, so anyway, that was what the first book was all about. And then the second book, we really dug deeper into this idea of bearing fruit and how do we talk about women um, in, a, in very concrete terms in a new way. And then the third one, it was really so much more fun and in, in a certain respect, because we're it's we're really focused on the idea of the sea and what is this, you know, such a a fundamental idea of of human nature, um, of human life, human existence, uh, all of that. And, um, you know, I think we tend to think of it very recreationally, but that's because we live in a very priv- privileged culture where we don't have, you know, half of our men are away at sea either, trying mm. to, you know, make money or at battle, um, you know, we don't, and we can still connect with them even if they are at sea, (laughs) where, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have people not even that long ago who they, they just didn't know if they would ever see someone that was crossing a sea ever again. So, um, so we really just wanted to, to highlight that, you know, some of the recreational aspects of it, obviously very important and refreshing our souls. And what does the sea do for us when we're, um, at the ocean and we're, um, you know, we're just energized by it. Um, But we also look deeper into kind of the meaning of it, and the, and like you mentioned before, just the spiritual aspects of it, and what it represents for us on a spiritual level, kind of the depth of it, and understanding, kind of even wrapping our minds around the vastness of God, because you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to wrap your mind around the vastness of the sea, much less you know God, who's much bigger than the whole, you know, millions and billions of miles of universe that are out there, so. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so I love that. It's been a fun, fun project to, to really give women something concrete to, and, and men too. We have a lot of men that read our books, but something concrete to really chew on and meditate on, um, that, that really honors who we are as men and women and our vocations. And, um, you know, how do, how do we go deeper into all of these in ways that, that is, you know, draws wonder and awe from us instead of, uh, I think, what we normally get, which is a sense of either shame or drudgery or, you know, how we're painted.
0: So that, that was really, that's been really the goal. That's amazing. And Carrie, have you seen a revival in the home, like in the past few years? I'm sure you guys get emails go, I'm assuming you get emails galore. yeah, Not just with COVID, but, right. but even with society, like I feel more of, I never considered myself a homebody, but now I just like ache to be in my home and I get excited mm-hmm. at the thought of like decorating a new room. And even my husband, like we just came home from a trip and he's like, I'm so glad to be home. <laughs> and so like, have you heard that
2: feedback? Yeah. Well, the one thing that's been really interesting is, you know, while Theology of Home, um, the books came about. Prior to that, I mean, it's always amazing to watch the Holy Spirit working, but um, I had had this idea to start a company to make soy candles that had Catholic themes in them. I had was given several of them for Christmas gifts that, you know, they were, one of them was um, the proceeds went to help animal shelter and, you know, they're just very Mm -hmm. secular. And I was like, why are Catholics not doing this? And I I looked high and low for Catholics that were doing candles like this and nobody was doing them. And believe me, when I say I looked high and low... I am the least crafty person I know. So for me <laughs> to like give in to this idea that we were going to make candles is Aww. like hysterical to me. I mean, I still Marvel at it. Like, how, how is it that we're the ones that make candles? Because I, I hate love craft. it. Um, um, so yeah, we, um, we dug into it. You know, I asked secular people to make candles for us and they were all gung ho until I told them they were Catholic candles. And then, you know, we've never heard from them again. And, um, you know, it was just this amazing adventure of two years and my husband and I really researching everything in fact our our baptism candle that we make um we initially had used the original prism oil that the monks make that was amazing and um you know you burn the candle and about five minutes into burning it suddenly there's like this weird back note it smelled like tuna (laughs) and i was like we cannot sell the candle that smells like tuna like there's just no way we're gonna put that out on the market um you know one woman recommended we sell it to cat owners but um (laughs) <laughs>
1: anyway,
2: I, uh, we uh, we didn't mark, we didn't go in that direction because it was really clear to me that we we needed to keep these, you know, Catholic scents and Catholic um, saints and and our ladies, um, different feasts and whatnot. And so anyway, so that I think has been the one of the most astounding things to me is to look around and see how many people are burning Catholic soy candles now. Oh my. Um, I mean that's literally. I'm telling you, there was nothing on the market, and now they're everywhere.
1: Wow! Um, Harry, it's Stella Maris. Is that your yeah, candle? That's us. Um, I named my daughter after Stella Maris, and now yes, I'm going to go buy all I of them. Love it. Yes. I love it. Yes. Oh wow.
2: So, yeah. Cool. So, and we, you know, Catholic lifestyle products just didn't exist. I mean, there were people yeah. that sold things like cutting boards, and you know, Catholic Company and other places that had individual items, but not in terms of like a lifestyle brand. And um, So we, you know, totally unwittingly, like, moved into that. And, you know, it's been really remarkable because I didn't have this grand scheme. You know, my husband and I joked about how we felt like we were driving backwards down a dark alley. You know, like, we just didn't know what we were doing. And suddenly you come out of it and you're like, oh, we have the same model as Food 52, which is, you know, a huge, Uh multi-million dollar company. And we're kind of doing the same thing. So,
0: um. That's been. Really but God, amazing. I feel like God knew. Like it's oh, just totally. wild how yeah totally. how entrepreneurial this yeah. also is, yeah. and it, it it's also very inspiring to hear, um, to hear this story because it's like you were honoring like the role in the home, and yet all of these creative ideas were yeah. coming, you know, yeah. to do mm-hmm. the book, to do the candles, and mm-hmm. in. that inspires me because I do get creative, you know, spurts in the home, and I think yeah. that that there's something to be said about that, yeah. No, without a doubt, because the other thing that we're
2: seeing, of course, is that, you know, I don't know how it is that we ended up in this sort of desert of, of Catholic products, which is, it just blows my mind when I think about it, because it's through products. That's one of the easiest ways to evangelize, you know, you give somebody a candle that's been blessed and that, that does so much more than you even realize. I mean, we've heard Mm -hmm. so many amazing stories about it touching people's hearts and in so many different ways. Um, but I, I think that that's, um, I don't know how we, we, we ended up in this place where, you know, it was almost puritanical, like, no, you can't have, can't, you can't make money off of this or something. And, um, so that's been the other fascinating aspect for me too, is that, you know, I've been in the nonprofit world my, my whole life. I remember being like seven years old and stuffing envelopes with my mom for the Catholic high school and, you know, things like that. Um, and it it just think tanks and, you know, you name it. I've been involved with it, but I've also had, my father was an entrepreneur. I have family members who are entrepreneurs. And when it came time, you know, Noel and Mary and I had this blog, theology of home, that became theology of home.com. Um, I just thought I can't, I don't have time to go around and, and ask people for money. Like I need, I need a way to make money in house. And that's, that's, what's come about is, you know, we've, we started with the candles and, um, now, you know, I think, maybe four Christmases ago we had like four products and now we probably have like 45. Um, and we're always expanding and I, you know, I'm just having a, like if I had known how much fun merchandising was, I probably never would have finished my PhD. I never would have written half the books I've written. Um,
0: (laughs) But we're glad you did. I,
2: I am too. I mean, it's one of those things like, wow. I, I just, I didn't realize like when you start, pressing into things that have real meaning and give meaning to people's lives there's you know there's some there's a great joy about that and so that's I think been just a fun aspect of it that I never dreamed I would ever be involved in so so now our basement is full of all these amazing home (laughs) products That uh, firing. Um, perfect but...
0: for christmas for anybody listening it, it,
2: it is yes great we've got great
1: christmas gifts so oh, um, oh i love that thanks for sharing that oh my gosh i feel like i'm gonna waste the, not waste but waste the rest of my nap time after this podcast we just... do <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: but i would encourage people to really dream you know really be open to those dreams of what god mm. is putting on your heart because that's you know as i can say it's hard to find merchandise. Not all of our 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 products are are Catholic. We get things from Italy and Europe and different things that we know have Catholic roots in them, um, and Catholic stories. But um, it's it's incredibly hard to find really beautiful quality products. And um, I would just encourage women to if you if you've got an idea or a dream, um, you know, make it. Be open to be open to that because um, that that this is really I think the way that we touch heart. I mean, this is what the reason I know all of this is because I researched how the left destroyed us, and they have destroyed us because they have the same messaging in their products. I mean, look at someone like Gwyneth Paltrow and her Goop company. <laughs> you know,
0: all you have to do is look at that
2: that line alone, and you know the candles that she sells, and just the horrifying products that she's got on her site, um, and that tells you everything you need to know about the way that they have really confused women and just sold us lie after lie after lie. It's all wrapped up in products and mes- marketing and messaging and branding and, you know, magazines and, and all of that. Um, and we just didn't have the resources of wherewithal as Catholics to really push back on or even the, the know-how. I think that that's what, you know, we had all these things. I mean, even thinking about how much we influenced the culture with someone like Archbishop Fulton Sheen on prime time TV. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we can't even imagine something like that. So it just shows how far we've come from what we really are capable of doing, I think. Um so anyway, I yeah, I would just encourage women um to to really press into, you know, is Holy Spirit calling you to make something beautiful. Um, because people and I don't have these gifts. I only have the gifts to say, People will want to buy this um, because I want to buy this, but I have the ability to make these things um, the way that other people do. So I, I'm always looking for people that have these gifts and, and really think it's an amazing capacity.
1: That is so encouraging, especially to our listeners, I think, right? Be like, we have a lot of, um, entrepreneurs that listen, mothers, homemakers, uh, working moms, all of it. And sometimes you need to hear, um, from another wise friend that you can do it if you have a call on your heart and help bless. So, wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, before we close out, I want to hear, I know we both are dying to hear about your next book that you have. <laughs>
2: yeah. So I just came out of this tunnel of writing this book. Um, I had a deadline. I knew, actually knew I had to get it finished before Christmas season. Um, because of course we get so busy. And, um, so I, my husband took over all the cooking. I mean, I have the most amazing <laughs> husband, um, which he's never done before. I mean, he's a great cook, but for him to get home from work and do the cooking was really a, an onerous task for him. And, um, but I got the book done. It's called. Um, the End of Woman, How Smashing the Patriarchy Has Destroyed Us. Um, wow. So, yeah, we're really um, not um, stepping away from controversy with the, the title. But um, I just really think that women have been lulled into just believing so many lies. And mm-hmm. um, so, uh, you know, I actually didn't know what the book was going to be about, per se, when I started it. I knew I wanted to um, go back further because with when I wrote Anti-Mare Exposed, I mean, this is really a book that went back to basically the 1960s, the early 60s, and that's kind of where he stopped, um, where where he started, the hurts mm-hmm. rather, um, and moved forward. But I didn't know what was prior to that, you know, the first wave feminism and all that. And um, oh, my goodness, did I ever find well beyond my wildest dreams information about um, really a lot of just incredible distortions um that that were just started in the very beginning of the feminist movement mm-hmm. um you know free love um the occult, mm-hmm. all all of these elements were there um i mean certainly you see those in radical feminism but um anyway it was just amazing to dive into i think the other piece that women don't know and i mentioned to it earlier mentioned earlier is um the socialist and communist pieces that yeah. um, you know nobody's really tapped into, mm-hmm. and um, so it was amazing to really dig into that and just see, wow, there's some amazing issues here. <laughs> uh, you know, even uh, Elizabeth Cady Stanton and um, and Susan B. Anthony. I, I don't think most people don't realize that how deeply involved they were in the occult. And um, oh my God, was, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. There's a there's a table that's actually in the Smithsonian that during this this period when Stanton is writing, there was this kind of this, it's called the Great Awakening in, in America, um, where this it was this religious revival. Well, most people don't realize that a lot of it was just seances. <laughs> you had all these mediums and seances that were really... Creating this, this spiritual frenzy. Um, and Stanton was in, in the, the middle of it. And one of that, this table that she, where she wrote the Declaration of Sentiments, which is, um, you know, the famous declaration that, that was part of the Seneca Falls meeting and whatnot. Um, it it mm-hmm. came about on this table. Which was one of these spirit tables where seances were set all the time. Um, so that part gets left out at the Smithsonian.
1: But oh my God. Um.
2: Anyway, and she was very much very anti-Christian. Um. Really wanted to see religion outside of um, the American um, culture entirely. Um. So anyways, just pieces like that that people have no idea. Um. You know what we've been supporting because a lot of times it's it's either sugar coated or it's just thumbnail sketches or uh, or we just kind of take it on the the um, the authority of women that we trust um, mm-hmm. that that there were good things happening, and that's not to say that it was all awful, but there's enough awful there. And again, it, it's this ba- this basic question of how do we make women like men instead of how do we help women as women um, that I think is the the you know starts started with Mary Wollstonecraft and goes all the way through the movement, and that's why we are seeing today you know women can't define what a woman is. we are seeing our daughters, um, not want to be women. I mean, if you read someone's book, like, you know, Abigail Schreier's book, um, what is it called? Oh yeah. Irreparable yeah. damage. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's just an excellent view into what's going on. It's you know, young girls who are like out buying weight sets and, you know, wanting to play football. They just don't want to be women. They don't want to be girls. They're uncomfortable in their bodies. Right. And um, this is what's really driving a lot of you know top surgeries and um, testosterone shots and you know, all of these kinds of things. So anyway, it's um it's really interesting to sort of see it from the beginning to the end and see this whole arc. And it just is all you know on a continuous line. It all sort of follows logically from from one point to the next. And that's I think the really the tragic piece is how we've ingested this so dramatically. And mm-hmm. you know it's time to really start reclaiming our, our womanhood as women, instead of, um,
1: trying to be something otherwise. That's so true. And it's crazy, Carrie, cause you kind of saw this coming a couple of years ago when you mm-hmm. when anti Mary shows came out and, but now you just said it just so dramatic. Like I, yeah. I did not see it coming on this level and it just shows yeah. you how sneaky the enemy is, yeah. um, because he finds his way and mm-hmm. God generation. It's just, it's rampant. Like mm-hmm. oh, there, there's no safe place. No.
2: And, and I think you're exactly right about the sneaky piece is just to see these same patterns over and over again in the same yes. generation, you know, even the same, um, sound bites are, are there. Um, the, uh, that I cover in the book, um, uh, several of them that come up over and over again. And, and each generation thinks that they're the one that invented it. <laughs> and that's the other <laughs> fascinating thing. Like, no, no, they were saying that 200 years ago. Uh, um. So anyway, it, it's really interesting to to look at. So I'm excited to to get this book out. It's also written for a secular audience, um, so that it's not just Catholic women. Although you know, I think that it was important to get the anti Mary out and to to present it from a Catholic yeah. perspective. Um, but this just goes is is much be- deeper and really shows, uh, you know, even a, a, any woman that's in your life could read this book and I think take away something from it, even if it's even if it's something that she hates. She's, mm-hmm. there's still going to be seeds planted, um, in a way that she's never heard before. And uh, that's kind of the exciting aspect of it is just, this is uh, fresh. And, you know, even if the, the hatred is
1: better than not knowing at all. Um, so that's, it's, we'll see what happens with it. Wow. Okay. So it's the end of women, how smashing the patriarchy has destroyed us. Is that how
2: perfect? It, exactly. exactly. You got it.
1: And when is it coming out? Carrie. Um,
2: it's coming out next year. I think it's next later year. for the fall. Um, it always just depends on,
1: uh, you know,
2: production and of course. Uh, all those things. So that's, that's <laughs> the timeline right now. But yeah, because we need it now. That's why. I, I know. Out. I know. It's uh, I wish I could make it happen overnight, but um, I'm just happy that we're at this stage and I'm not, you know, feeling like I'm living in a cave trying to finish. book.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. Right. And during COVID, like we're actually <laughs> speaking out about these things and it's all yeah. in the forecast. Now, right it's yeah. it's all open so yeah it is wow exactly. well thank you so so much for just sharing your wisdom and um yeah all the nuggets of gold for our listeners and us oh, too my pleasure thanks so much for having me it's,
0: it's
2: been a delight
0: thanks for listening to unraveled podcast to stay a part of the conversation follow us on instagram at unraveled podcast or on spotify at the unraveled podcast thanks for listening